Let us pray. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. A woman and her nephew went to the grocery store. And while they were there, something remarkable happened. Uh, the boy saw uh, an elderly man uh, who was having a hard time shopping and finding things because the man couldn't lift his head up and couldn't look up. He could only see the ground and barely either side of him. When the boy noticed the man, he turned to his aunt and asked, can I please help him? And she said, yes. So he approached the man and, and he said, excuse me, sir, is there anything I can do to help? And the man's eyes lit up. He said, that would be amazing, young man. Thank you, thank you so much. The boy ended up then going all over the store for this man to find what the man asked him to find. And he was so happy as he did that. The man told the boy and his aunt that he hadn't had help in years. And he was so happy that he had run into this wonderful young man. He, he helped the, the man check out and bag his stuff as well. He also uh, had the store workers call the bus for his new elderly friend. The man tried uh, to tip the boy and the boy said, oh, thank you. I don't need this. I've enjoyed helping you. You, you keep your money. The boy's aunt, who, who watched all of this, just beamed with pride. And she said, you don't see many people, let alone children, who do these things for people. She shared the story about her nephew online uh, with the hashtags, love what matters and pay it forward. When I checked in the, about the middle of the week, her posting had received over 9,000 likes. And I'm sure that number will just increase. But you can see in the picture here, it's kind of hard to tell, but uh, the, the, the man, his head, you actually cannot see his head. All you see is the top of, of his back. He's, he's totally bent over, his head is just bent over so much, and he can't straighten up. Uh, seeing someone like that, some people might stop and stare. Others might turn and go the other way. And many others would just keep going about their business, but not that boy. He was moved to step forward and offer to help. Our scripture reading for today uh, tells us about a woman of similar condition as the man in that store and an encounter she had that changed her life. What we see in her story is also something beautiful, the love and power of Jesus for her and for each of us as well through the gift of grace and faith. As we trust in the Lord, he accomplishes great things through us. Jesus is teaching in one of the synagogues or meeting places, places of worship, on the Sabbath. And there is a woman present. She's so twisted and bent over that Luke tells us she can't even look up. She has been afflicted in this way for 18 years. We often say time flies, 
but 18 years is a long time. Consider how different a newborn baby is from an 18-year-old, or how different you were at 25 compared to age seven. This woman has suffered for 18 long years. She has suffered not only physically, but also because she was bent over and couldn't straighten up at all. No doubt she's suffered emotionally and in other ways as well. She has been crippled by this affliction for 18 long years. But listen to what Luke tells us about an encounter that changed everything. When Jesus saw her, he called her over. When Jesus saw her. Pay attention to those words. Jesus sees this woman. Others have seen her for years, and many would probably stop and stare, turn and go the other way, or just keep going about their business, but not Jesus. Jesus sees her, and he calls her forward. He calls her to come to him. That's not an easy thing for her to do. It's not easy, first of all, obviously, because of her condition. Someone bent over and suffering like that would have had very limited mobility. So it's gonna take her much longer than the average person to come forward and stand next to Jesus. That's also not easy for her to do because of the people around her and how they will respond to something they believe violates the Sabbath. Luke tells us it was on the Sabbath day when this happened. What kind of courage does it take to step forward in front of a disapproving crowd? This woman finds it within her to step forward in faith at the invitation of Jesus because he's going to do something about her spinal condition. She doesn't know what, but he's called her to come forward. And I'm sure she could sense in that moment something significant was going to happen. And quite likely that's going to lead to the religious leaders not approving of it. Still, she steps forward in faith at the call of Jesus. Jesus sees her and invites her to come and be close to him. Because of her affliction, she can't even look up. She can't even see Jesus, but that doesn't matter because Jesus sees her. She hears his voice and follows his call. She goes straight to Jesus. Already, long before the outcome, this woman is a great example of faith for us. She is a great example of faith in the face of opposition. She can't see Jesus, but he sees her. He calls her, and in faith, she follows. Sometimes the opposition we face is so overwhelming that we can't see Jesus. It could be overwhelming physically, emotionally, spiritually, or in other ways. As a result, that opposition could even get in the way between us and Jesus and, and, and create this barrier that we can't see over can't see around, can't see through. 
The opposition in your life could drive you to despair, leaving you only looking down, unable to look up, unable to see Jesus. We know that feeling. Some of you might be in that kind of a place right now. But ultimately, what matters most is that Jesus sees you. And he does. No opposition, not even the fiercest kind, can prevent Jesus from seeing you. He sees you. And he calls out to you because he cares for you. Because of the power of his call to you, like this woman, you can come to Jesus no matter what. You can go straight to Jesus just as you are. Afflictions and all. I love this about Jesus. I love that he doesn't say, first, Ken, you've got to get rid of all that junk in your life. First, Ken, you've got to find a way to overcome the obstacles, and then you come to me, and then I will receive you. No. Jesus sees me in that place of opposition, in that place of hardship, of affliction, and in his mercy calls out to me, and he does the same to you. You can go straight to Jesus, afflictions and all. In his presence, there is mercy and grace enough for each and every person in this room. When the woman reaches Jesus, he tells her this, you are set free from your infirmity. You're free. Imagine what it must have been like for her to hear Jesus say those words after 18 long years of bondage. Now Jesus says she's free. In some cases of healing, Jesus speaks only to the person. In other cases, he touches the part of the body that is to be healed, maybe the ears, the eyes, the arm. Here, in the presence of others, in the synagogue on that day, Jesus lays his hands on the woman's curved spine. He touches the place of deep need. His touch adds to his words another stimulus to faith. Jesus, God in flesh and blood, has actually touched her. Scripture says Jesus has taken our pain and carried our suffering. That's what he has done for each of us, especially on the cross and in his resurrection. And we see that literally here. Jesus places his hands on her crippled body and suddenly she stands up straight and tall, giving glory to God. Immediately she is cured and she praises the Lord for what he has done for her. Where are the places of deep need in your life? Think about that. Sometimes we never get anywhere close to addressing those places of deep need because we don't even take the time to stop and reflect and ask the question, where am I really, really hurting? What is the source of this pain? Not just the byproduct, but the source. Where do I need most to be touched and to be healed? 
Where are the places of deep need in your life? Are you willing to have Jesus touch those places of pain and affliction? The woman could have said no. She could have stayed where she was. She could have said, well, Jesus, I hear you calling, but I'm not sure what this means, so I'm gonna stay here and listen to you some more, and then maybe I'll consider your invitation as we go on. She didn't respond that way, did she? I'm sure she didn't like the pain, but at least with the pain, she knew what to expect. She'd been dealing with it for 18 years. Sometimes we continue carrying burdens that God wants us to release to him, but we keep carrying them anyway. It's difficult, but at least we know what to expect because we've become familiar with the burden, familiar with the pain, familiar with the opposition. It may be the harder thing to step forward in faith and to release the situation fully to God. That might be harder because of the unknown. But Jesus calls this woman, and in faith she responds. She steps forward not knowing the outcome. Jesus doesn't say, if you step forward, this is exactly what I'm going to do for you. So consider your options and then decide. No, he, he sees her and he calls and invites her to come. And she steps forward in that faith that doesn't see everything, but that trusts in the Lord. And she trusts Jesus and releases her circumstances to him. Maybe some of us today need to do the same. Rather than cling to the pain because it's familiar, to release it to God and step forward in the midst of whatever opposition is before you. How is Christ calling you to trust in him right now? For this woman, because of her faith and God's work in her life, there was more opposition to come. The religious authorities of her day weren't happy about what had happened. They believed it was illegal for any work to be done on the Sabbath, including this healing. The synagogue leader was angry and annoyed. Can you believe that? I mean, what would possibly be going on in the hearts of religious leaders that when they see a miraculous healing like this, a person set free, their response would be to become angry and annoyed because their understanding of what it means to keep the Sabbath had been violated. Can we be that legalistic? Can we miss the mark that much? And here in the presence of the woman who had just been healed, the synagogue leader turned to the crowd as if to fend off any further requests for healing. And he told them there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. I think he did want people to be healed. He just didn't want it to happen in a way that violated his understanding of what it meant to keep the Sabbath, but still the priorities. How could we miss that? How could we overlook what matters most? Listen to how Jesus replies. 
you frauds, he says, you hypocrites, you pretenders. And he continues, each Sabbath, every one of you regularly unties your cow or donkey from its stall, leads it out for water, and thinks nothing of it. So why isn't it all right for me to untie this daughter of Abraham and lead her from the stall where Satan has had her tied up and bound for these 18 years? When Jesus said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. <clears throat> In life, we all face opposition. The nature of the opposition you face can vary. Sometimes it's just for a season, maybe for, for a few weeks, or it could last much longer, even 18 years or more. Some opposition we face can become so difficult that it is practically backbreaking. Like this woman, we can become bound up by the evil one, bound up by evil forces that we should not be bound up by. And on our own, in that condition, we're helpless. We can't untie ourselves Satan, the evil one, the devil, whatever you might think of this cosmic force of evil, I know this, wants to keep you bound up. Satan wants to tie you up, to steal from you, to steal life from you. Jesus says the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life. The evil one wants to keep you bound up and to tell you that it has to be that way, that this is just how it is, that there's no hope, that it's too late, that this is just something you're gonna have to deal with. But the good news is, if you're following Jesus, the opposition you face isn't opposition that you face alone. Whatever evil thing might bind us and hold us captive becomes Jesus' opposition too. As you trust in Jesus and follow him, that's how closely he identifies with you. Your opposition becomes his opposition. And in the end, Jesus always wins. The deepest level of worship is praising God through the pain, thanking God during the trials, trusting him even when we're tempted to lose hope, and loving him even when he seems distant. At my lowest, Jesus is my hope. At my darkest, Jesus is my light. At my weakest, Jesus is my strength. At my saddest, Jesus is my comforter. That's what this woman learned in the most amazing way through her faith. This distressed woman certainly could have anticipated the disapproval that was to come. But at the request of Jesus, she stepped forward to entrust herself 
to the Lord. She moved toward Jesus with utter dependence on God. She faced opposition, the kind of opposition probably many of us can only imagine. The physical suffering, intense pain, extended, prolonged pain, and the emotional and spiritual suffering that went along with it for 18 long years. She knew even more opposition would come as she stepped forward in faith in response to Jesus' call. But in the midst of it all, she trusted God to be at work in a marvelous way in her life. And that trust led her to act. That's what faith does. We heard this two weeks ago in the opening message in this series about pillars of faith when Pastor Mitch reminded us that faith acts. Faith trusts in God and that trust leads us to act. Not just to sit back and say, I'll wait and see, and then maybe consider. No, it's such deep trust, such personal familiarity with the one who gives us these promises that we hear the promises, we hear the call of God in our lives, and our faith moves us to act. We can't see the future. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, but our faith in Christ compels us to step forward and to trust in Jesus as we do. Jesus honored this woman's faith by touching her and healing her. She had the faith, God had the power. How about you and me? How is it for us today? Is there a burden you're carrying that has left you crippled? Spiritually or emotionally? I see some heads nodding. I, I think there are more of us on the inside who would say, yeah. Yeah, I've been carrying this for a long time, and I feel like I'm crippled by it. And sometimes I wonder, do I just have to accept this is how it's going to be? Maybe you've been dealing with that burden for a while now, perhaps 18 years or more. Just because it's been a certain way in your life for some time, that doesn't mean it has to keep being that way. How is the Lord calling you to respond? Faith isn't just about expecting great things from God. True living faith is also about attempting great things for God. As he calls us to step forward, trusting him with the results. And see, that's the beauty of faith. The results don't depend upon us. And it's hard at times for me to release that because I guess I, I, guess I have a tendency to want to be in control of things. But true, genuine faith is releasing the outcome to God and saying, God, I trust in you. I can't do this. I'm not, I'm not going to try to manipulate the circumstances. That would only make it heavier on my shoulders. I'm going to trust you. And there's release in that. There's, there's freedom. There's joy in that kind of trust. So often, God is willing, but we are reticent. Faith requires we make a bold response to the initiatives of Almighty God. There's no telling what Jesus will do as we truly believe in him. 
A friend of mine has battled cancer for years. He knows what it's like to face intense opposition. And through his faith in Christ, he's seen God's power at work in his life, sustaining him, strengthening him, giving him hope that he can hold on to, no matter how hard it gets. And recently he shared a story with me. He said, the other day I had a dream just before I woke up, maybe even as I was waking up. I felt a weight on the bed, and I thought one of our cats wanted to tell me that it was time to be fed. <laughs> when I opened my eyes, there was the head of a lion looking down on me, and then the lion disappeared. I wondered what that dream might mean, and considered a couple possibilities. I came to the conclusion, he said, that this was the Lion of Judah, one of the names for Jesus in the Bible. He said, I concluded this was the image of Christ. Still, I wondered what was the message I needed to hear. He went on to say, this morning during my daily time of prayer, I began to pray for people on my list, particularly my family and my church. Pray for your family, pray for your church, make that a regular part of your spiritual life. And, and he, he went on to say, and then, as is my custom, I was quiet. And I extended my arms with palms up, waiting to hear what God wanted me to know and receive. And I would add, that's a very appropriate posture in prayer, uh, to be quiet before God with your palms up. And maybe you want to raise them all the way up, maybe just up a little bit. But there's something, I think, significant in the symbolism of coming to God with an open hand, with a palm that's lifted upward, because that symbolizes that you're offering yourself up to the Lord and your circumstances. It also symbolizes to God your readiness to receive from Him what He wants you to know and receive through prayer. And by the way, on the subject of prayer, so important that people know how to pray, that we be people of prayer. That's one of the reasons why this fall we're doing a, a series on prayer that will help you learn more about not just why prayer matters, but how to pray. The series is called, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. And I hope you'll join us and be part of that. But my friend continued with what happened by saying this. As he was quiet before God with his palms upward in prayer, he said, then something unusual happened. Normally in that position, I can feel the spirit, the power, the energy from God coming through my hands and my arms. Today, I felt the energy and power flow from me. That never happened before, and I was confused. And then he said this. He said, I believe the Lord began to speak to me. The image of the lion was the assurance that I am with you. Keep going the way you are going. Don't give up. Keep following me each day. But don't forget the words of Paul, that it is in your weakness that my strength can be seen. It's not what you can do for me, but what I can do through you. That is why I took your energy and power, that your strength might be in me. And my friend began to pray, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me, melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me, he prayed. 
As he sat before the Lord, he then felt that power and strength begin to fill him once again. This time it was not from above, but from within him, within his heart and soul. That power began to fill him. He realized that as his energy and power were lifted up to God, God's strength and power could then move within him. He ended this way. It's not what I can do for God or in the name of God. It is all about what God can do in me and through me. I remember the words of John the Baptist saying that I must decrease, that Christ may increase. I guess it's about time I learned that lesson again, he said. And maybe the people of God, the church, needs to be reminded of that as well. I think my friend is on to something here. It's the same basic idea we see at work in this woman's story from our scripture reading this morning. As we trust in the Lord, he accomplishes great things through us. As you trust in the Lord, he accomplishes great things through you. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power even in the face of opposition. The Lord is stronger than any struggle in your life. Every single one. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart because he sees you and he cares for you. I don't know what opposition you're facing or what burdens you're carrying this morning, but I know there's one who sees you, who can strengthen you, who can set you free. His name is Jesus. Come to him and follow his call today. Let's pray. And friends, as we pray, I invite you to do as my friend described, to extend your arms with palms up, offering yourself to God and signaling to the Lord your desire and your readiness to receive from him what he wants you to know and receive through prayer. And if you think this is some kooky new age practice, the scriptures actually tell us this is the ancient pattern of prayer, the ancient position of prayer, as we're commanded by God in the scriptures to lift up holy hands as we pray. And I invite you now to do that, to lift your palms upward as we enter into the presence of God through prayer. Lord, thank you that you see us, each one of us, even when we struggle to see you. Thank you for calling each of us to step forward toward you in faith. Help us come to you right now. We bring to you our pain, our fear, our shame, our sins, our sorrow. We bring to you our circumstances, including the opposition we face in whatever form. We bring to you our hopes, our dreams, our lives. We release everything to you and trust in your unfailing love. Jesus, Receive each of us, we pray.
Come, Holy Spirit. Come and set us free. Hear these prayers as we pray in your name, Lord, and as you taught us, now we pray together. Our Father, 